Welcome to episode eight of the Thoughtcast, conversations about animation. I'm Philip Elke, your host. I'm joined by my brother. Hey, Dawson, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Good to be here. Good, good. Well, yeah, what are we talking about today? We're talking about bum, 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 my favorite Pixar movie of all time, The Incredibles. Awesome. You know. <laughs> that was a great little intro. Yeah, Thank incredible, you. incredible music and um, incredible action in this uh, incredible film. <laughs> Hard to get and, the music uh, wrong when you rip it off of James Bond. Oh, man, I was just looking at the <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service theme. One of the, one of the best old, old ones, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so The Incredibles released in 2004, directed and written by Brad Bird. Um, his, do you know his previous film that he did? Yep, The Iron Giant. Yeah, uh, and of course we were an early adopter of the Iron Giant in our family. You remember that? Oh yeah, that uh, did that gr become a cult classic like later on, or was that as popular as it should have been the moment it hit? Uh, I mean, it it wasn't very popular when it came out. I mean, it um, it lost around um 47 uh, million dollars at the no, box office shut up it's, yeah. wow yeah, when did that 1999 1999 okay well, did we see it in theaters i we didn't see it in theaters um i remember seeing like posters but i think we saw it on video for the first time okay yeah i think it, it probably even had like a friend's house or something too if i remember but um Mm. Oh man, yeah, Brad Bird. I mean, that was his debut film, right? The Iron Giant. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, it had a production budget of seventy million, and only a domestic total gross of twenty-three million. So it's had to have made that back, though. Um, right. Well, I mean, in other ways, maybe um, you know, it's definitely gone on probably streaming and um, you know, home video sales. A decade um, later, the royalties just start pouring in and checks for everyone. That, you know, that I don't know. I mean, it's, anyway. at least it's well regarded as a film. And like, I remember, I think we rented it like, or when, when I first saw it, it was like a rental. And then we ended up buying it because uh, we, you know, enjoyed it so much. But there were a lot of gems from that era that just didn't do well commercially. And then we'd find out about them, not necessarily through seeing them in theaters, but you know, on home video, going going to the rental stores, things like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, thankfully uh, the talents of Brad Bird were recognized by uh, Pixar, whose uh, films were doing quite well at the time. Iron Giant was Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, um, Iron Giant was Warner Brothers Animation, um, and I think uh, Brad Bird he he knew people at. Pixar, you know, who was doing really well at the time. They had uh, five films under their belt. Uh, Dawson, you probably named them. In order, Toy Story 1, um, mm -hmm. Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and mm -hmm. then the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so The Incredibles is your favorite? It is. It is, hands down. Pixar? Uh, okay. Has, has been. I don't think I've changed my opinion the toy stories it's i always remember oh it's hard to it's hard to not have one of the toy stories be your be my favorite you know maybe toy story three uh technically and overall more perfect you know godfather in uh notoriety type film but um but no i think i incredibles is the one i enjoy watching over and over again i never get sick of it it just personally for me hits everything i want in a movie and um so I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there for me. I mean, it's it was such a huge milestone for Pixar um, being kind of the first movie that featured human characters as the main characters. Yeah, that's a, a subliminal, maybe even subconscious reason I like it uh, so much is because I do tend to prefer human characters over animal characters in fiction with, of course, unlimited exceptions. Um, but that was that was a nice refreshing change of scenery um and that it was an action adventure uh type mm -hmm. film rather than you know these and, and i guess bugs life is technically um and monsters inc has some great 
action adventure moments in it, but um, The Incredibles mm-hmm. from the get-go is this is you know it's a superhero film. Mm-hmm. It's action adventure. It, uh, great villains, great. Uh, and like a complete antithesis, I think. And even though this one was directed and written by Brad Bird as well, but Ratatouille. Mm. Ratatouille is like the exact opposite of The Incredibles and everything I, I don't like in a cartoon, even though I do enjoy Ratatouille. But, you know, it's, it's all, there's, I don't know. I could, I could take, explain it, but I'll stop. I've got to make a correction from, I, I believe it was the Princess episode because I got one of the dates wrong. Um, it was the release of The Little Mermaid, which I said was 1987. And of course, that film marked the beginning of the Disney Renaissance. It's actually 1989. And I always got those, uh, that m- film mixed up with the, uh, Snow White in that, you know, the, uh, Snow White was 1937, 1937 and, and then Little Mermaid's 1989. Well, I think for the longest time I thought Snow White was 1939 and um, Little Mermaid was 87. And yeah, just didn't correct Little Mermaid in my mind. Um, this movie is, is um, of course, very notable for innovation in the realm of computer animation, uh, released in 2004. And um, it, yeah, it's just like a bonafide action movie, but in uh, computer animated form. I, we didn't really see anything like that. I, I, the only other computer animated film featuring human characters in the lead roles um, prior to The Incredibles, um, I can think of is um, Final Fantasy, Spirits Within. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That hardly qualifies as action adventure, too, which is so funny. There's, there's a little action in that, but that, yeah. It's about as boring as a Final Fantasy game, though, so they, <laughs> nailed, they nailed that. Oh, man. I mean, I love, like, don't get me wrong, I love... Well, I love what Final Fantasy games are far more than I enjoy playing them ever. Mm. I, um, yeah, ponderous and uh, meandering, you know, melodramatic. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, spiritual qualms. Um, yeah. But no, Incredibles is, is a great, you know, it, it has all kind of the heart that you would ever want from a film, but also a lot of, you know, people beating stuff up. Yeah, exactly. That's where that's what makes it such a unique Pixar film because they can take any set of circumstances, any story, and fill it with heart, and you'll love it, and it'll be fun, and it'll be exciting, but it won't have the fighting in it, um, you know. And the, so this one put in the fighting, and it put in the the powers, and it put in the 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 villain trying to destroy a city. Like it, it just upped all the stakes and. Um, it's actually, it's probably my favorite superhero film, to be honest, which I was not expecting to come from a, a 3D animated Pixar movie, but um, it's just that good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it came out four years before what sort of would mark the start of the modern day glut of superhero releases, which um, w- I, I would say was marked by Iron Man and The Dark Knight, both released in 2008. Um, and then since then, it's just been a, a kind of a nonstop barrage of uh, fairly well-regarded releases uh, in, this, in the comic book superhero genre. Yeah, um, before, yeah, before then, there were, I think, a lot more misses um, <laughs> comparison. But, um, you know, The Incredibles does remain one of the better superhero genre films ever released. And it's, it's also unique in that it's not tied to any of the main comic book um, franchises. It built its whole own universe of superheroes and a really, really fun uh, universe. The world, I really like the world building in The Incredibles. Yeah, Syndrome predicted it. Uh, Years before it happened, when everyone's super, no one will be. And I, there isn't a single Marvel movie I don't like. Uh, they're all good, even great, and fine, and fun, and uh, love to see them. But they definitely, being a superhero is not special anymore. It's uh, like it used to be, for me, it was exciting to go and see a superhero film because, um, I mean, I remember this so well with Spider-Man. 
Mm -hmm. Um, just these, these movies, I, I put it up there at the time when I was that age with, you know, Harry Potter and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I was like, there were these very interesting, very story driven films with these characters who were human, but had special abilities. And they, you know, that whole hero's journey arc. Um, and so Spider-Man really kicked off uh, just the uniqueness and the glory of a suit. I mean, when, when can you watch a movie where someone's swinging through skyscrapers on our, I mean, it's just so riveting, but now there's so many superheroes. They're all, I mean, they don't even have secret identities anymore. Half of them. Um, they're kind of just characters with cool powers and um, you know, it's like, uh, who cares? Like one, you know, half and I mean, X-Men, half the population's a mutant and has superhero superpowers, which uh, not to knock X-Men actually Wolverine's one of my favorite heroes of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I really like, anyway, so yeah, the superhero genre just became less special, but um, The Incredibles well, is still special. Yeah, and, and of course, The Incredibles is, is a genuine a, attempt at telling a superhero tale. Uh, it isn't, you know, poking fun at the genre. It's, it is fully yeah. engaged in what it's trying to do but it takes itself very seriously yeah the one thing that's exciting about it is it introduces us to a new world that we don't really know anything about and uh you know we don't go in with kind of all the baggage or preconceptions of you know this pre-established comic book world um but uh, unfortunately we have only had two installments uh in this universe and you know who knows how many we'll ultimately get um because of you know just the uh, purely the will of the creators uh, you know brad bird i think he he was reluctant to necessarily um go too heavily into turning out sequels for the incredibles you know, considering it took 14 years for the uh, incredibles 2 to come out which was this year which i admire generally but this was the only pixar sequel i really wanted <laughs> I mean, yeah, the new Incredibles movie made huge amounts of money just in the U.S. I mean, $608 million I'm seeing here, you know, over a billion dollars worldwide. Um, it's, you know, in terms of rankings in uh, animation, it, it is now um, the number one ranked animated film of all time commercially. Is it? Yeah. There you go, Brad Bird. Didn't you realize the golden egg you were sitting on? Yeah, I mean that long to poop it out. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that is um, uh, domestically. I'm not sure about worldwide. They did but, a Finding uh, Nemo sequel before an Incredible sequel. That baffled me. Like, who cares about fish when you have? <laughs> the Underminer and Elastigirl and Dash and the baby that, you know, everyone wanted to know what would happen to the baby after they saw, you know, how he went insane and killed Syndrome at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. we all wanted so much more. Finding Nemo, that story, that was done. That was, I, I haven't, oh my gosh, you, you don't know this. I haven't what? seen Finding Dory. I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't seen it. I saw it. I mean, you're not missing much, but I mean, it's of worth course. They go, uh, they go look for Dory's parents. I mean, just on a technical <laughs> level alone, those movies are just so mesmerizing. Um, yeah. Num- yeah, The Incredibles 2, I'm looking at the worldwide charts, and um, there, there's one animated film that I see that is ranked above it. Uh, Incredibles 2 is number 15 with uh, over 1,241,000,000. Um, and number 13, can you name it, Dawson? Uh, num- number 13, oh, is this uh, a Pixar of, movie? Of all time you- worldwide. All time worldwide. An animated movie. An animated, oh boy. Well, I mean, how would I know what number 13 is? I could maybe take a couple steps. No, 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 no. Uh, it's the, it's the only, uh, animated film above Incredibles 2 worldwide. Oh, oh, you're saying in, in film, like in films total. In, in all films. In all yeah. films. Incredibles is 15 worldwide. Yeah. Incredibles 2, you mean? Yeah, or, Incredibles 2. Okay. Well, and there's an animated picture above it. Uh, Spirited Away. No, no. It's pretty uh, obvious. Uh, your Name? Because that did so well. 
No, it's pretty awesome. obvious. Is it another? Is it another Pixar film? Oh, is it Toy Story Three? It's Disney. It's Disney animated. Disney. Is it Frozen? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Sorry, I I had my sights a, a little too high. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure. I think those Japanese animated films, you know, maybe, you know, well, <laughs> what tens of millions. Like, or what? I mean, in in their countries, they were. Um, they do well. well like in China, country. like I think what Spirited Away rivaled Titanic for a long time or something or beat or some Titanic or whatever. And then your name beat that or like. Yeah, maybe yeah you're right. I mean, they, they, yeah. So I was just thinking of there, but no, worldwide, there's no way that mm-hmm. they would be so high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were talking a little bit about the the world of The Incredibles. Of course, the, the movie um, stars Craig T. Nelson as Mr. Incredible, Holly Hunter as uh, Elastigirl, Helen Parr. Carrie Fisher as Elastigirl. Um, yeah. Mr. Incredible's alter ego is Bob Parr. Um, alter egos do play, you know, the secret identities play a big role in this movie. Um, yes. It, it has to do with there's some social commentary uh, relating to uh, social justice uh, and the um, the role of, of superheroes in society and, and like their um, status as sort of um, citizens that are forced to go into hiding. Um, so, so there's um, definitely some some social commentary in the film, um, and then. It takes place in like an alternate 1950s, at least at the start when they're um, they're doing those interviews. Um, it starts off with a, a sequence of like the superheroes in their superhero identities at a press conference, um, including Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, as she's called in the flashback sequence, in this flashback sequence, and then Frozone, um, in Mr. Incredible's close friend played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and, uh, they, uh, yeah, this is before, um, superheroes become illegal or, uh, yeah, yeah. There's the, uh, they call it the superhero relocation program, um, instated in this, uh, alternate 1950s era, um, in, in sort of the aftermath of a bunch of litigation um lawsuits that um are leveled against superheroes by people injured in the course of the uh superheroism uh so yeah dasana what, what do you think about this whole premise i love it and i i love that prologue it's pixar does prologues brilliantly well and that's no exception it's one of my favorites um i love that it it starts with uh, an interview, so you can all, it, it sets up this really like realistic, it, I, don't, I don't know, as a kid, it, it somehow felt like really adult. Like I was watching a kind of a grown up movie that it began with these characters, just their faces, you know, doing interviews with microphones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then transition to their heroism, which then transitioned into, I mean, the the just hilarious absurdity of, the guy who tries to kill himself and gets rescued and the the attorney mr paparapakowski didn't want to be saved he didn't ask to be saved like that yeah. is just baffling but and you think you think it's incredibly absurd but then you look around at some of the things you do see in real life from time to time and it's it's absolutely believable um and so tragic to like I mean, for me, how on earth could you, would you want to sacrifice a superhero presence in your world mm-hmm. to reduce the risks that come with that? I mean, in, mm-hmm. by my opinion, just the existence of superheroes and their selfless deeds far outweighs any potential negative consequences. I, I, mean, I mean, that's that's always a question, though, that's explored in, in any story that contains superheroes where, like, if, you know, would the benefits outweigh the negatives? In, <laughs> because in the Man of Steel universe, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, when they I mean, level in Metropolis. Uh, to... the, well, the the negatives outweigh the benefits in the Man of Steel universe. You would say. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it and just... it, it, and it's probably more likely that that would happen just in in a realistic world. Like if you're having all these super powered. Uh, 
beings. I mean, I mean, I, I shouldn't say. Hancock brought up the same argument. Do you remember that Will Smith movie? And, well, sure. Uh, no one uh, remembers Hancock. But, I do. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, just you know what what if 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 there is the ability to have superheroes, then there's going to have to be the you know possibility of supervillains. Um, so I mean. Yeah, well, <laughs> just like in real life, the possibility of good humans has the possibility of bad humans. But like, and and when the bad when bad people rise, who's going to stop them? And when you have supervillains rise, who's going to stop them? And um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, so but putting yeah. putting a lot of faith in superheroes. But it, I mean, it does. Uh, I I like that it explores how these characters. You know, they aren't always necessarily um, the the pinnacles of virtue. They do have flaws right. and and edges to them you know the both the main um heroes in in this movie are, are portrayed as you know having their own um sparks their own their own flares and temper oh uh, yeah they're so human i mean the pinnacle reason this film is amazing is the family dynamics that it displays and uh um mm -hmm. you know but and this is not a, definitely not the bureaucratic idea. This is not like, uh, well, I, I definitely, I side with Captain America. The safest hands are still our own. Like it's not, it's the, this is not the pro government view of superheroes and vigilanteism, but by golly, if I were a lawmaker and I knew that there were people out there who had just these unbelievable abilities, I mean, they're, they're, you know, gods, they're, they're superheroes. They have powers. Um, I, 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 want to man and of course understanding that there's still flawed humans below all of that you just got to let the superheroes be themselves and do their thing like i'm you have to trust that they're going to be noble you're going to you have to trust that they're going to do their best um and not bring in the law to hamper them um because they're there's they're frankly <laughs> they're above the law because yeah. they're, well, above, they're above being human it's possible too that like the sort of inherent nobility of of these characters might be partially responsible for why they have such you know tremendous power you know it's it maybe comes from like a just a uninstilled um state of of goodness that that these people have that enables them to wield exceptional power kind of like a jedi you know you um you hone your powers through um you know practicing uh charity and, and uh discipline yeah uh, things like that uh, uh, yeah with great power comes great responsibility and mm -hmm. and i and all those uh i mean at least the 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 family of the incredibles elastigirl and mr incredible and frozone they all understood that deep down and had all been practicing that to the best of their abilities and mm -hmm. um yeah it'd be fun to see more of this world but at the same time uh, it's it's probably just as well that we have you know most of the uh the lore of the incredibles universe left to our imaginations so i i agree because in the second one when they brought in all these other heroes and all their other powers i uh, i don't know I, def I i deflated a little bit from all of them uh you know they were cool and fun or whatever but it was almost like uh, too much. Well, I, I loved all the I loved the heroes that they alluded to in the, uh, with, you know, either with reverence or with mm -hmm. disdain because of how stupid they were. Sometimes mm -hmm. um, they they all had such great looks, and that was the whole retro futuristic 1950s. And interesting how this film takes it so seriously when it also totally draws on inspiration from the the campy superhero aesthetic of um, of that bygone era, the skin tight suits. Yeah. Yeah. identities the, not being able to be recognized by tiny little masks um you know there's all these gags and references within the story and yet it, it all works the uh, the accented um mid midriff piece or the, the you know <laughs> the underwear look <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> um and i i one thing i liked is the like the masks uh, they're just like magic masks that you just slap on and Stick to their face yeah, they magically conform to the face. Makes no sense. <laughs> I, I, it, it has always bothered me, but in a really charming way. That <laughs> I, I mean, it's just possible that 
certain kinds of technology has evolved along with the powers of, of the supers and uh that That's was edna, edna mode she, mm-hmm. she found a, the a, a way to make a fabric that is magnetized to the the cells of the superheroes mm-hmm. And an interesting subversion of that that occurs in the film is when uh, Mr. Incredible first encounters Buddy, uh, Incredible Boy, um, you, you see his mask, and, and it is the more, you know, typical plat- rubber mask with, you know, the gaps around the eyes, and, like, he has smudged blue makeup around his eyes where the mask doesn't quite cover it. So, so he oh, clearly hasn't... Yeah, is it attached with like an elastic band too, or I don't know. Maybe probably. <laughs> I think I think you're right. It probably has an elastic band and everything. He didn't have access to that Edna tech. That talk about an, another great part of the opening is I think I always, man, I want, and because and this is good storytelling, but I wanted Mister Incredible to take Buddy more seriously and pay more attention to him and be a better mentor, be a better person. He just. <laughs> keeps dismissing him and saying, go home, you know? I mean, the kid invented rocket boots. Like that's mm-hmm. worth that's worth investing in his future, at least set him up with a scholarship and, you know, send him to a nice uh, school mm-hmm. or introduce him to Edna or, you know, but yeah, boy. Yeah, I mean, um, he was definitely really cold towards um, Incredible Boy, Buddy, yeah. uh, definitely uh, pays off later in the film. Um, and of oh, course, such a good <laughs> reveal of the villain. You, oh, he, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mr. Incredible, he was in a rush that day and, you know, he just, you know, because of Incredible's in- involvement, you know, Bomb Voyage was able to get away and, um, he was running late for his wedding. <laughs> so, you know, all, all of these events, of course, lead to the eventual forced removal of, superheroes from society unfortunately well that's what happens when on your wedding day instead of spending all day the day before and the day of preparing and being nervous and with your groomsmen and with your family or you try to do your everyday job on the day of your wedding that's one of my favorite tropes that makes no sense is when it's the wedding day but the but the guy is doing his thing like in mm-hmm. flubber when the professor you know he's in the lab working on his you know rather than just being completely obsessed with you know and and nervous about this wedding coming up you know you block off a whole day for your wedding there's no reason you'd ever miss it but it's so cute that mr incredible and elastigirl themselves are both i don't know man they must really just they can't go a day without crime fighting. They must get real antsy. He, yeah, he just got the, you know, the police scanner coming in through his car. On he was driving, you know, on his way somewhere to to the wedding, I guess. Uh, yeah, and he's like, <laughs> I got time. I got time. Yeah, and then ends up, you know, of course, because of uh, Buddy, um, you know, he he takes off his rocket boots with the bomb attached to him and. And then that bomb explodes the the train track, and then you know all of the victims in in the train you know sue Mr. Incredible for injuries, and so yeah, Buddy is partially to blame for the um, the demise of the superhero. Um, and then show you never know when your smallest actions will have the greatest consequences. <laughs> well, then he he would also go on to be responsible for the the deaths of many superheroes later on. Uh, when when he would you know use his in ingenuity to become a weapons manufacturer, uh, a la Tony Stark, and um, use superheroes for weapons testing. Jeez, it's yeah. like you're mean to that one kid in school one time, and you don't even mean to it. You just on accident. You're not really thinking about it. You don't even care. And then that kid goes on to be you know a psychopath or something. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's it's real stuff. It's, yeah. I mean, this this movie it really is so dense thematically, and every um, scene has so much going on. <laughs> I mean, so not just visually, stuff. but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could thematically, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we could go on for hours just on the those core elements that make this, you know, such a compelling human story. But um, so it, it really is quite the just 
incredible <laughs> to to use that word again gift you know that that we have like in the form of this film um there's just yeah so many things to appreciate about it every character is so well developed they all get enough time they all contribute to each other to the story the script is just phenomenally well written i mean it's amazing how you can watch a movie like that that's less than two hours long and then watch a two and a half hour movie and feel like nothing happened in it or like so much less happened um mm -hmm. you know even with more dialogue sometimes some movies are just stuffed with dialogue but the characters don't matter and you don't follow what's going on and you don't care but um yeah it's very rich this film is so rich yeah i mean it's an hour 55 minutes which is long for a animated film it's saying here the production budget was 92 million that seems low um it would ultimately gross 633 million worldwide but um i i remember reading that um the incredibles was coming in over budget and there were some things that just weren't going to make it into the movie um, but then John Lasseter, like he made the appeal uh, on the part of the studio for, for more funding, or at least he, he kind of had the authority to um, uh, unleash more funding towards the pro project. And, and he did because he saw how things were coming along with The Incredibles and, and just totally believed in the film. Um, and, and thank goodness. I mean, this it had been, I think, two years. Um, this movie was released June 27, 2004. So the, the previous uh, movie, Finding Dory, was released in 2002. Nemo. So it was a little more time. <laughs> uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, Finding Nemo. Um, yeah, so it, it really was such an ambitious endeavor. And, and the visuals hold up. There's, there's still, you know, you can notice a little bit of, you know, less detail Deeper, in, yeah. in the textures and, you know, movements. And, you know, a lot of the designs maybe a little more. Uh, primitive than than we have nowadays, of course. I mean, everything looks super polished now, and they can really push the, that rendering capability to the extreme. Um, but even still, a lot of shots in The Incredibles looked very solid um, upon revisiting it. Does the... I haven't seen it in oh, probably a couple months. I do actually see this film at least once a year. Um, I, it just ends up happening that way. I remember the the island seems to be one of the things that holds up the best like yeah yeah i mean all a lot of the scenes on the island like there's a scene where um helen and the kids are in a cave you know around a fire and oh, just the way that scene is lit that's one of the oh, such a i mean they're all such good moments but mm -hmm. sitting the kids down and saying these people will kill you that mm -hmm. you don't get they just don't make them like they used to you know the visuals of that scene kind of looked uh, unaged uh, compared to um, you know Incredibles 2 and, and the aesthetic of that film um, partially because of, like the the lower lighting and stuff you know and then like the characters they have disheveled hair from being in the plane crash earlier yeah. and like so so it isn't just kind of the same standard they've gone through so much and mm -hmm. the and the and the consequences of that mm -hmm. linger like you really they put some extra detail into that yeah mm -hmm. And stone is we've probably been doing photorealistic rock since you know the early two thousands. I mean, mm -hmm. or at least photorealistic low light rock for mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah, but incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I keep using that word. Jeez, and it's unintentional too. I sound like a doofus. No, uh, it's, but um, the it's either amazing or incredible. Amazing. I, I mean, and and of course, yeah reminiscent of the fantastic four with the whole family dynamics you know the four incredibles uh who who have superpowers in this film and of course we're introduced to the fifth incredible at the end of the film um when the the baby jack jack reveals that he has powers as well um mm -hmm. but yeah uh, you know you uh, you have this the four four man team the two young kids and and you know helen um, you know, is, is comforting them and sort of uh, coaching them at one scene in the in the film, and um, not expecting them to have to have you know much of a role in in their whole rescue plan of Mister Incredible, but um, that ultimately changes for the benefit of the movie, where we do mm -hmm. get to see you know all the characters really explore their potential. 
Um, yeah, so the, like the young kids get caught on the island and, and then there's that big chase where it, I was like, now this is pod racing. Now this, <laughs> I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. Force field, ball, hamster ball. Yeah, there's every, every scene and every, every step the film takes, mm-hmm. it, it just gets better and better and they and things happen that adds more detail and more richness and of course yeah and prior to this we have bob's transformation which is amazing um yeah uh, <laughs> well because like yeah you go from him as the strapping young hero in his you know maybe uh late 20s early 30s or something and um he you know he's just so the ideal frame of a man and and then after the you know superhero relocation program hits like you see him what 15 years later and he's just so like he's just this glob of a man I, he, like yeah I, the, the a kind of person you could actually imagine seeing in real life and you'd never think well that's a superhero you just think god that guy's huge <laughs> and you feel bad for him yeah um yeah. It is tiny. Yeah, the transit, uh, the stark contrast, and the transitions, the juxtapositions, just on. And on I point. love how, yeah, I love how they fit him. Try to fit him back in his original suit while he's still in that bulbous physique. <laughs> yep, they got. Oh, my old, my old army uniform. I'll put that back on. Clearly, times have changed. Uh, Great physical comedy. Yeah, uh, thankfully, he, yeah, he does get in shape before going back out on on duty um later in the film so like there there is a sequence where he does yeah he you know is at the train yard i don't know how he gets access to, to the train yard for his exercises you can but, get into a train yard pretty yeah, easy. i mean not yeah there's not a lot of people <laughs> around probably didn't ask permission or anything but yeah like then Just, he sort of returns not quite to his former form he he's a little bulkier more uh you know, thick, as they say. But uh, yeah, and, and then he he gets his new red suit. And Helen's just always hot. She never gets a, a full mom body. She doesn't really change that much. No, I mean yeah. she's definitely. You can tell she's you know more youthful and uh, a little thinner, I suppose. Yeah. Well, she, you know, she gets those hips, and of course, the amazing scene in front of the mirror when she's <laughs> herself out. Oh boy. And. Um, as much as she might be sort of the ideal woman, she still has doubts though about, you know, whether Bob still loves her. And, and I love that whole um, affair um, yeah. plot line. <laughs> she thinks Bob's having an affair, um, but that, that resolves itself quite well. The, the character Mirage, you know, who um, hires uh, Mr. Incredible, um, like, I always had a crush on her. I don't know about you. She's she's definitely uh, she's a Bond girl. She, yes, an absolute. Again, another just amazing element of these films that they it's a superhero film and a Bond film at the same time. And yeah, no, I well, I actually, gosh, I had I had the hots for Violet, um, and then mm-hmm. so then going to the sequel at age twenty four and being like, I can't have the hots for Violet anymore, <laughs> but I no. once did. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, how, yeah, understandably uh, at that age. Um, my little Annie, my how you've grown. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, yeah, no, but I, I love that handling of and the tension of a situation where it's like there's no way he'd have an affair. He doesn't really have an affair, but there's these two characters have a lot of chemistry, and he's a married well, and like she Mirage inspires him to be better. And by, as a result, is a better husband to his own wife. Like I thought, you know, as he gets more, as his positive self-image increases, he's, you know, more romantic with Helen and everything. And she gets, you know, all chuffed. But well, there is a a recurring theme of like temptation in this movie, which I think is, Mm. is great where, yeah, like Mr. Incredible, he has that psychology of being downtrodden and, and wanting to, be more valued more appreciated um and and that leads him to make uh some mistakes but the mistakes could have been far more severe where like 
now he he didn't ultimately have an affair, but like he wasn't as satisfied with his wife and his family as he should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, that almost got him killed. And then later in the movie when like he's, he believes that his family, you know, were killed in the plane crash. Um, oh my gosh. He just about kills Mirage by, oh, you know, Raker, like a yeah. dick. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. He has just such a great edge to, to him. And, and like, you do believe it too, that, you know, he's, he's just, he's going to lose it. Every, uh, everything that, everything that had led him to his gain could have been everything that led to his ruin. And that you see it in his eyes, that realization and just, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing he wouldn't do to save his family and get them back at the end. And, and, and he um, sort of does get his due at the end of the movie. Like he, he gets his kill when, um, you know, syndrome threatens his, his son uh, and is about to get away in his um, his manta ray jet, <laughs> and Mister Incredible just he chucks his new sports car up at Syndrome, and uh, <laughs> he throws his wife to grab the baby. Yeah, he does and that. He, like, I love that he doesn't like let him get away. <laughs> he goes for Syndrome just, yeah. and then he is murdered in one of the most brutal fashions you can imagine on live tele- on live children's television. It's like the definition of what a good PG-rated action film can be and should be. Like, you know, people die in explosions. People get sucked in it. You know, there's the stakes are clearly evident, but there's it's all a, a little bit so that you don't quite see the full graphicness of it. But this is fun. That's fine. I mean, I can break through walls. I just can't. That's fine. Get this. <laughs> times you save the world it always manages to get back in jeopardy again i feel like the maid i just cleaned up this mess can we keep it clean for for 10 minutes i'm at the top of my game i'm right up there with the big dogs girls come on leave the saving the world to the men i don't think so super ladies they're always trying to tell you their secret identity think it'll strengthen the relationship or something like that Edna mode your sword can stretch as far as you can and still retain its shape. Virtually indestructible and machine washable, darling. That's a new feature. The fun fact about the, the voice of Violet Dawson, I don't know if you knew this. She isn't played by, you know, a noted actor or anything. The, the actress is actually a radio uh, journalist. Who really? Brad, Brad Bird just randomly heard doing a radio documentary one day on public radio. No kidding. Yeah, right. she does. She did um, NPR, This American Life. This does her normal voice sound like Violet? Because yeah, that, that's uh, <laughs> why she got the gig. Is you know she was just speaking in her normal voice. Brad Bird heard it and um, heard Violet in his head, like as he was writing the film. As, um, so he reached out and. I asked her to do the role. Her name's Sarah Vowell. Okay. Well, and she's she was perfect. And her voice hasn't changed at all. It's not a voice I would expect someone to want on the radio, though, necessarily, if you know what I mean. Like, um, it's, it's good for, like, the format that she she does, I would say. I mean, it, it is, yeah, it isn't, like, the most trained-sounding. It's a nasally adolescent voice. And, <laughs> I, I mean, well, yeah, it'd be, kind of like... It's like a a more endurable vanilla P. Von Schweetz voice. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's much preferable to that. I love. I mean, it's adorable. It fits the character, her expressions, her uh, her ev- everything that that character is in her adolescence, her shyness and her mm-hmm. insecurities, but also her her boldness and her rashness, like everything. I mean, it, she uh, it plays that so well. So then to hear that, you know, do like a radio documentary, I, that's that's so int- that's cool. That's really yeah. Cool. I mean, she just she loved history. She was definitely the the quiet type girl in school. Um, you know, the Sarah. She uh, looked at some of the um, l- lineups of characters for the the film, like all the kids sort of that that you see um, drawn in in the film, like standing next to each other. And I don't think she knew which one she was playing, but then you know her eyes immediately went to 
to the uh, drawing of Violet in, in this lineup and was like, oh, that, that looks like a character that I, I could voice. And uh, she, was, she was right. It was, you know, the shy sort of, um, yeah, dark hair, you know, covering her eyes type character. Yeah, turning in, hiding herself by turning invisible and go, he looked at me. You know, man. You know, I love having you on the show, but I never expected this because you're always here and you're talking about your work for NPR or the books that you've written. Yeah. Now you're here promoting your blockbuster movie. Yeah, I'm a superhero. Yeah, this it's, is this is cool. It's really exciting. And, and I mean, I love the movie. I'm so proud of it and just so fond of my character. But mm -hmm. I kind of resent it just a little bit because my family and my friends are just so excited about this movie. Like, your movie, we can't wait, the superheroes. And now I can see the level of excitement they're capable of, you know? <laughs> they've never really expressed for my essay collections, yeah, you know? Right, like, right, and, right. and also it's like, but it is very relaxing to be part of something that people just think is so fun and cool right off the bat. And right. Like most of the stuff I work on, I kind of have to make an argument for how fun it would be, you know, like <laughs> President Garfield, more exciting than you'd think, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You don't need to do that with this movie. No. Well, when I first heard the story, I thought, maybe like he was casting for Incredibles 2 and, and like maybe the actress had grown up and her voice had changed. Um, and so he needed, so he like randomly heard someone on a podcast, you know, talking and it was Violet, you know, from the first Incredibles. But no, this, this was back in, you know, the era before podcasts when he uh, cast the voice. And um, yeah, she's been on both films. The one character they did have to replace was, Dash. They replaced Dash. Yeah, yeah, it's a different because it was a young boy um, by the name of Spencer Fox, I believe, in in the first Incredibles. Um, and yeah. then, so yeah, he he dropped, I suppose, in, in after fourteen years. Um, but the, his 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 successor is dead on. Um, uh, yeah, Spencer was, Fox. Yeah, yeah, his successor pretty much identical. You know, they're they're usually able to double voices if they really want to. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, who else is notable? Jason Lee plays Buddy slash Syndrome. Um, and um, Brad Bird is uh, Edna. Um, Wallace Shawn as Bob's, that was another dark moment for Bob too. Like he could have easily killed uh, his boss, Gilbert Huff. Um, at InsureCare, <laughs> he threw him through like four walls, four cubicle walls. Let's see. Fun fact: um, the voice of Tony Reidinger is provided by Michael Bird, the uh, son of Brad Bird. Oh, that's wonderful! In fact, for both films too. Wow. How he was he a teenager when they made the first one, or probably like a teenager, and his voice probably hadn't changed too much you know in the 14 years he's got a great attractive voice cool kid cool character i <laughs> i think i like what they did with him in, in the second one i like that it started with him but mm -hmm. then i don't know if i was ever really fully satisfied but with that one I one sad fact well there, there were a couple of the cast members who have passed um including bud lucky who plays rick dicker in uh, the first movie, um, Bud Lucky was an animator as well as voice actor at, at Disney. Um, he voiced Eeyore, um, oh. among other characters. Um, and then he, and then the voice of Mirage, uh, Elizabeth Pena. Um, she died in 2014 at the age of 55. So that was uh, some sad news there. And um, she had also voiced Mirage in some of the spin-off material as well. There were, uh, you know, Disney Infinity video games, and um, there was the video game adaptation of The Incredibles. Yeah, that was one of very few uh, film adaptation video games that I was extremely eager to get my hands on. Did, did you beat that? Uh, I, oh no. Oh no, did I? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I I, I, no, did. I, I I had a hard time when I first got it. I had a hard time with it, just like Kingdom Hearts. But then I came back to it a, a later, and I I did either get very close to the end or I, or I completely beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've got all the uh, character voices um, involved in that game. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty underwhelming, just sort of your typical <laughs> film adaptation video game from that era. Yeah. trash kind of but that was, it wasn't trash i had fun it was no. it was as fun as the bionicle mask of light game for sure uh which yeah. is also trash but um you, you but, don't see that type of thing happening much anymore that you know just the you know day and date um release of the film or the, of the game that goes along with the film <laughs> yeah which i my biggest gripe with those was always that they never uh got to use music from the actual movie really like um yeah no i remember the the music in the game was some of the music in the film yes what am i what am i thinking of i think i'm thinking of the lego star wars uh game the first one that came out when it released in the same the same day as and battlefront as well they they released like around the same time as revenge of the sith and you never heard battle of the heroes or some of those other Mm -hmm. themes um Mm -hmm. the battlefront 2 had Revenge of the Sith music. Yes, right? it did. Yes, it yeah. did. And that came out. Oh my yeah, gosh. I don't know. It, it came out. I, I feel like Battlefront 2 released the same day as Revenge of the Sith on I home f- video. On home video, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Lego Star Wars, you could like get tickets to the movie if you if you mm-hmm. got the game. Yeah, Lego Star Wars was the same time as the, the movie in theaters. And that, yeah, yeah that had sequences from the uh the movie on the movie but not, in it yeah it like but not music thing. yeah yeah i mean it, it i think it spoiled things a little bit and so did well so did the game adaptation of episode three that was oh <laughs> yeah which, that was another one we that's a that's a badass game uh film adaptation though um i mean yeah, it's, it's a yeah, well-regarded game the massacre of the jedi temple getting to play that as anakin and just ramming jocasta new through the chest with your lightsaber like is so <laughs> satisfying <laughs> oh, um you've, well we've gotten so derailed by here. the neck and you and you just run them through the heart <laughs> it's so awesome you, you don't actually see the younglings get killed it, you do. but you do what it, it's like you younger no padawans it's like younger students right there's like teen- young st- i mean okay you don't see him yeah not no, the little, little murder kid. youngling youngling master skywalker there are too many no but like you know kids like they're small yeah then you're older, younger ab- above or you know young teens or whatever and um no, that is true i mean that that was a, an, a poignant game <laughs> to say the least yeah um, a couple last things here. Um, like all the uh, technology in The Incredibles is pretty great. Um, the sort of anachronistic technology, but of course, you know, it's a it's an alternate reality where they could have developed things like, you know, videotapes and internet or you know, c- computer you know, circuits. Um, you know, prior to when they did for us, and and um, one great piece of technology is. Um, syndromes zero point energy did you ever understand the reference there and what what is zero point energy no but on the street where i used to live in saint paul i would drive by a building every day that had that was that had a sign that said center point energy the it was an it was an energy business called center point energy and i drive by it and go center point energy <laughs> so I, I thought about zero point energy about every day of my life for a few years. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's it's actually um, something that was theorized by Nikola Tesla, uh, in which you could draw energy simply from the atmosphere or from the the universe. It's sort of like the resonant frequencies of like the electromagnetic signatures of celestial bodies, you know, they're reverberating throughout the universe. And then you can like, if you sync up with them just right, you can draw free energy yeah. from, from the environment. <laughs> and that's not ever really been dismissed. I know people want to get energy from the gravitational pull of the earth. It's like, what's, I can't remember what that one's called again, but uh, Hertz, uh, 
no way. I'm, I can't, I can't even BS trying to recollect what this thing is, but mm -hmm. the, the frequency of the earth's rotation, people will want to find energy from that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you never know. Geo, geo rotational energy. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe so. Um, yeah. Um, and then like that, that crazy, uh, set piece in, syndromes lair that like waterfall or the lava fall um, so cool yeah but it doesn't seem to make any practical sense unless it's not real lava which i i think you can see at certain points in the movie that it isn't it's just sort of like an illusion made to look like lava. Oh, but he like has to sneak through it and he's like I, yeah 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 it, yeah but like you you see later that it's like you know when the uh, computer room is fully illuminated that that um you know yeah those um doors are just like the huge slabs of of steel and not okay. actually Lava. So is he nervous without reason, or could the wall still have crushed him? It, the wall could have, yeah, like crushed him, or at least. Which is also like, oh hey, when you go through this hallway, uh, you know, make sure you get through a little quite fast, or you know, don't push the button until you're at the other end, or you might get crushed by the wall. Well, yeah, and if it were real lava, it would have burned anyone who tried to go through there, you know, instantaneously. Yeah. For uh, sure, so. for sure, but. Yeah, interesting little bit of visual. Uh, Gosh, I'd get so nervous anytime I went through that hallway in the secret lair. Like I, I <laughs> it'd be trippy. Uh, but that's so then so good. Yeah, there's a great uh, quote by uh, Helen Parr, um, referred to once as Mrs. Incredible in the film by Mirage when, when she discovers Mirage and Mr. Incredible like uh, Mirage does rescue Mr. Incredible but shortly before uh, Helen shows up to do the same thing um, and then she's like hey you must be Mrs. Incredible <laughs> smacked in the face such uh, a good scene such moment. a good honest moment where you know they were sharing uh, something innocuous um, mm -hmm. but was completely misinterpreted and uh, but I mean and you know maybe you shouldn't have even done it but I mean he was just it, it was nice to to see him be in trouble for something that at least we knew he had no bad intentions it was like mm -hmm. he was so relieved um, mm -hmm. and but she she says to violet um th this quote which i thought was really good uh doubt is a luxury we can't afford right now um mm -hmm. just you know it, it's all about um you know relying on your instincts and and um yeah. don't don't think don't worry just uh just, just act live out and act <laughs> yeah you um at least in those moments when you know what you, you know, who you are matters most yeah which was a, an extremely important part of violet's growth you know developing a new superpower and not really believing in herself and um mm -hmm. and uh, she learned to she learned to whip it out when it counts mm -hmm. all right well thanks dawson for talking about incredible the incredibles yeah nice to a nice movie to to think back on and remember that it exists and it's always there to oh, yeah. to mine and dig for really such i mean et eternal family significance i'll i can't wait to you know if i have a family i mean i am engaged but you know if i have a good big healthy family someday it'll be a fun one to watch before christmas um and yeah we also have to talk about uh, its sequel incredibles 2 do we uh, omit the we do <laughs> uh, we we do yeah 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 well uh in, in the coming weeks and um i also uh kind of wanted to get this in before the new spider-man animated movie comes out because i definitely want to talk about that as well yeah i think i'm excited about it i've heard really good things i wasn't you know necessarily anticipating it based on the trailers no um, it looks really bizarre and uh kind of cutesy the latest ah. trailer i saw was really funny and and they they did that weird animation in a way that is not as jarring as mm -hmm. um like dragon prince was so 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got it doesn't have a lot of good like real in between, you know, fill <laughs> between like the frames. Yeah, it, it does. It's sort of choppy in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. And um, until then, uh, you know, this is Philip Elke signing off for the Thodcast conversations about animation. You can find us on various podcasting platforms and of course just check us out on thodcast.com uh dawson bon voyage or should i say bom voyage <laughs> bom voyage see ya